I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do believe Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Weeder and I'm going to be teaching you a little bit about uh, true worship today. I want to start in John 4, 23 and 24. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now here we see that God is actively seeking out those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. There aren't a whole lot of things in the Bible that says God is actively seeking out, but those that are worshiping him in spirit and in truth are one of them. That's how important and how valuable it is to God. I, I, um, I did a little, bit of, a little bit of digging and I looked up that word spirit and I, I was like, what? This seems like a very important word in these two, in these two verses alone it's used about uh, three times. And I looked it up, and another word for spirit is soul, meaning our mind, will, and emotions. And it's very, very similar to the commandment that Jesus gave, saying to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be worshiping God the same way that we're loving God with everything we have. Just everything we have, that's how we need to be worshiping God. And in verse 24, we see that Jesus himself is saying that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must. It's, it's not optional. It's what we must do. And right here, in these two verses alone, we see a very simple, very short, and effective definition of what true worship is. It's worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And then I want to go back into the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 16, I want to focus on David. Now, David's very important when it comes to finding out what true worship is because he's the psalmist. If you ask any Christian, if you're talking with any Christian, and you say, yeah, I was reading about the psalmist, everybody knows you're talking about David. He's the psalmist. He's a great example of true worship. And in 1 Samuel 16, we can see one of the effects of true worship, the spirit of true worship, and the actual act of true worship. And starting in verse 14, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit troubled him. Let, um, and Saul turns to his servants and says, Find me a harp player. I need something to soothe me. I need something to calm me down. Find me a harp player. So they go and find David. And David, as we all know, is a wonderful mu musician. And skipping down to verse 21, it says, And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. Now right there, that is an effect of true worship. You find favor with people. Doors open. Opportunities open. You have, you're walking in God's favor when you have that spirit of true worship. When you truly worship God, you have that favor. And then in next, in verse 23, it says, And it came to pass when the evil spirit of God, uh, from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And that is a very good example of what happens when you worship God 
and you truly worship God. Evil departs from you. Devil, demons, just a bad day. None of it can stand against true worship. You're worshiping God. You're loving him with all you have. You're giving everything you have to him in this worship. Nothing can stand against it. They just run away. They're scared of it. And on the other side, a couple chapters later, we read about when David was playing the harp and worshiping God for Saul, that Saul threw a spear at David and it hit the wall right next to him. It says David evaded him. But that's another reaction. A lot of people don't like it when you worship God truly. There's a lot of people that'll try to attack you because it just offends them on some level. They don't, they don't like it. How dare you do that? You can't do that. Here, this is church. We're supposed to be pious in church. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be upright. There can't be any, any of this crazy singing. But David evaded Saul. God protected him. And that is a very important thing to hold on to. Then skipping over to 2 Samuel 6.14, it's when David danced his clothes off. It says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. And then in, in verse 16 it says, And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And then it talks about David blessing the people um, in celebration of the Ark of the Covenant coming into into uh, David David's city. And then in verse 20 it says, Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, and as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will become yet more vile than this, and will be base in mine own sight, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor." Now, there's a lot here about true worship. First of all, true worship doesn't care what other people think. It doesn't. All it cares about is worshiping God. Secondly, true worship may seem, may seem silly or shameful to the religiously minded. Mikal was part of the royal family. She was used to traditions and rules. You don't break those. You don't mess with that. And it's very similar to the religiously minded today in that you don't mess with the rules of church. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. But David didn't care. He told her, he said, God has done so much for me. I don't care at all. I am worshiping God. Number three, true worship, 99% of the time will take you out of your comfort zone. I, it actually says, David says, I will become base in my own mind. He, I mean, it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're not going to be ready for it. You may think yourself foolish, but you're worshiping God. You are with everything you have. He danced his clothes off. I guarantee you, David wasn't, wasn't exactly the kind of person to just be naked in front of the palace dancing around. But he was worshiping God with everything he had, true worship. 
Number four, true worship doesn't have any confined way of being done. Earlier in 1 Samuel, we saw him playing the harp. And here we see him dancing. Some people, when they're worshiping God, they may run around the auditorium. Other people might just dance in place. And other people might turn inward. And they might have just just them and God blocking the world out. True worship doesn't have a defined set of what to do. There is no rule book of, if you're doing true worship, you need to be standing on your right foot, spinning around with your arms straight out to the sides. There's no actual rule book as long as you're just loving on God and worshiping God. And number five, true worship will bring you honor both in heaven and and on earth. And David actually mentions that briefly at the end of verse 22. And even today, thousands of years later, we're still talking about King David as one of the greatest rulers there was. He was a man after God's own heart. It it brought him honor on earth and it brought him honor with God because even when he messed up, he he was still doing everything he could. He was worshiping God, loving on God. He had God the focus of his life. And that's very, that's very, very important. And to wrap up, I want to give you two examples of true worship. The first one is Psalm 23, and I think we all know Psalm 23 pretty darn well. But I want to read it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest me a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is just, that is one chapter in Psalm, in Psalms, that is just, I mean, as worship in its purest, just focusing on God and how wonderful He is. You just, all of your focus is on God. And another one is Psalm 46. And again, it's just so purely worship. It, it talks about, um, in, in Psalm 46, starting at verse 8, Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease until the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And it's just such a perfect example of true worship, just focusing on God, thinking and praising Him and focusing on just His wonderfulness and His amazingness and His just bigness. That is true worship. 